The following is a production by Cutting to the Chase Podcast. Greg Huss, Cubs insider and also part of the Growing Cubs, a Chicago prospect podcast. Thanks for making time. Good to chat with you. Yeah, man. You too. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, definitely. So I was curious, how long, or how long, but also how'd you get started with Cubs insider? And what? Well, just go ahead and start there and then I'll go into my next question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I got, uh, I came on with Cubs insider, I guess it was before the 20. 20- 19 season. I'm, I'm covering the, the minor league stuff. So the, the, the past few years have been weird. Um, so I lose track of the years a little bit because no games last year, but uh, yeah, I hopped on with Cubs insider. I think it was, it was prior to the 2019 season. It was a few years ago. Um, mostly, I mean, on Cubs insider, I'm only covering the, the prospect stuff. And I, I don't know. I, I think that I, I just, I got put on through uh, Todd Johnson, who's been writing over about prospects at Cubs insider for quite some time. Um, and he was like, Hey, like you've been doing a lot of, a lot of different prospect type stuff. And, and you want to, you're interested in coming on Cubs insider. I was like, yeah, absolutely. So I got in touch with, with Evan Altman and, and chatted with him, the editor over there and chatted with him quite a bit. And, and, and yeah, I've been writing for them ever since. And then, uh, about a year in or so, I guess, I guess it would have been three years ago now before the 2018 season. Um, but a year in or, or uh, or so, uh, John Felice, John Strong actually reached out to me and said, Hey, uh, we're looking to put together the first Cubs prospect podcast. So he was like, you interested in doing that at all? And I was like, I was like, I, I've never really done anything like that before. I, I, I'd been a guest on a few podcasts here and there, but I'd never like hosted my own podcast, you know? So I was, I was like, I don't know about being the first Cubs prospect podcast. I was like, ah, sure. Like, why not? So me and a buddy, uh, Jimmy Nelligan, we started hosting this show and, and we got about, <laughs> got about six months in or so. And then uh, minor league baseball shut down. So we've been going and, and recording yeah. the podcast and we've actually had far more shows without minor league baseball going on than with minor league baseball going on. I think that we're up to like 53 shows here and like 45 of them have been with no minor league baseball. So we picked a perfect time, I guess, is, is, is moral of the story, but it's been fun. I've, I've enjoyed doing it. That's awesome. Yeah, I uh, I was briefly at Cubs Insider. I feel like I kind of stopped right around the time you were probably already over at that there at that point. And, and yeah, I didn't plan to just stop, step away, but yeah, a little bit. And I started there like eighteen. I was with Cubby's crib, and I was like, maybe I'll let me, let me check out Cubs Insider. I really like what they have over there. Um, I didn't plan to step away. I just kind of did but i was yeah. in the middle with with work and I, I also write for the blue jackets sb nation page so it was just enough kind of on my plate but i think it's awesome that you are so well versed in the prospects because that's where that's what my weak link would be i want to be a little bit more up on the like for instance the cub system and then it's just oh yeah i can check this out look into this and then it's like i'm not probably gonna look into it too much but with everything yeah. else i'm doing but but how did you get so into being able to track and cover the minor leagues and really to the extent that you have been yeah well you're right it's like it's there's a lot right i mean because yeah. there's 20 mm-hmm. i guess 26 men on an active roster in, in 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 chicago right but then you get to the minor leagues and there's another 180 guys and that's a lot a lot of guys to deal with yeah I think it was back um it was around the time it would have been right around it was when 
the Cubs were really, really bad, right? It was, it was, it was when the major league team was really bad early, early 2010s. Um, when they're calling up guys like, uh, Josh Vitters and Brett Jackson, um, and, and there was not a whole lot to like on the major league team. And I was like, when, when guys like that, when Vitters and Jackson and like, and, 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 uh, Junior Lake and guys like that would get called up, I I found myself just, I was like, where did these guys come from? Like, they couldn't, like, just been plucked out of thin air. And, like, I, I was just, I, I knew nothing about the minor league system at all before that, you know? And so, I, I got super interested in that. I started following the draft a little bit. Like, the not not as in-depth as I kind of do now. But uh watched, like, the, the Albert Amora draft and Dan Vogelbach. And, um, like, those guys get drafted. And I just, I started following, like, the, the day, like, following the box scores a lot. Because I didn't have, like, the MILB TV I wasn't following along on that, but I would follow the box scores a lot and just say like, oh, like, so a lot of my early days was just like um, my prospect list making and and talking about these guys on Twitter and stuff. It was based on like their stats and, and their box scores and what they pop up on fan graphs and baseball reference and stuff. But uh, I got to a point where uh, there's not a whole lot of guys that kind of uh, dedicate themselves to uh, the like Cubs minor league system, especially. I know it's it's me and and Todd Johnson, like I mentioned, and and Brian Smith over at Bleacher Nation, and Mike Ernst at, at Cubs Den. But um, I mean, there's only a handful of guys that that dedicate themselves to that. So it was kind of cool, like having that background knowledge. And it's a it's, it's one of those things where it's a fun hobby, and it keeps myself occupied a little bit. And uh, uh, it's just fun to follow those guys. So that when they make it to like right when when like a guy like David Bodie comes up to Chicago and he has that that grand slam, the the ultimate grand slam, right? Like, you know, like I know like the backstory about like how he grinded to get to that point. He wasn't like a major prospect, but I remember seeing him play down like Myrtle Beach and stuff like that. And and it's just it, it means a little bit more when you see these guys in Chicago after seeing what they've gone through uh, throughout the minor leagues growing up, you know? Yeah, that's really cool. It's funny, too. I have to tell you this. So I interned with the Flying Squirrels here in Richmond um, back in like 2013 already. And that was more of a game day internship. It's funny. I didn't read the job description. I went into that thinking like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to do like marketing and this and that. Yeah. And so the first day we were legit doing like, now I had fun. Don't get me wrong. I did have oh, fun yeah. and I stuck it out. And there were some great perks that I'll get into in a second but basically uh it was like the first or second day, first day i guess i was doing like we we're like in the kids zone we had to monitor this or on the field we would do stuff and go around the stadium so it was that kind of thing but that was all in the job description i just didn't read it but i was like screw <laughs> it it's still minor league baseball whatever and so um and so we just worked game days you know it was like you know yeah. a seven hour day but uh, that was 2013. And so of course that was when the giants had just won the world series the year before. And so, you know, I was seeing guys like, or hearing, I should say hearing guys like Joe panic and whoever Ryan vocal song yeah. made a rehab appearance. So I got, and they would, they would get these big time celebrities down there for whatever reasons they might already be in town, but like Kevin Nash yeah. and Ryan vocal song were in the same room after games. We would all hang out sometimes. And uh, they were in there telling stories and stuff. So there were definitely <laughs> some sweet. some cool things. But um, I ended up going into, uh, let's see, in 2016, I got an uh, internship with the Green Jackets. There I was doing the legit media relations marketing stuff. Yeah. But so the funny thing is, like I said, I didn't know a ton about the prospects. Now, everybody else probably would have known names like Ronald Acuna 
and Max Freed and all these guys. So Rome yeah. Braves were obviously our rival back then. R- Rome was terrible in the first half. And that's the other thing, too. I consider myself a big baseball fan, but I didn't even realize the first half, second half standings like in low A ball. So, yeah. uh, so I was like, wait. So, because I was doing like a lot of writing and stuff before the season and I was going over the last season and I was like, wait, what's this first half championship? Second, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> Rome was the worst team in the first half and they caught us in the second half, won the division. I mean, they won it all. Of course, they had guys like Ronald Acuna, Max Freed, yep. guys that are on the Braves roster now. And looking back, I was like, holy crap. I was seeing like these superstars in the making. It, it's so cool. Yeah. 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 That's so well. It also, like you, you mentioned, like the first half, second half, like championships. And they do that because, like, in the minor leagues, you got the the, the second half team looks, I mean, so completely different. different from the first half team, right? Like, you got like guys like Acuna and, and, and freed and stuff like that and they weren't probably there in the first half and then you get in the second half and it's like now the team is stacked like that now the team got got like loaded and it's, it's fun to watch but yeah so it, it's cool like looking back on some of those guys like you got to see max freed and ronald acuna play in in what like high a ball is that is that what that was yeah yeah or uh, low, low a, a low yeah a. yeah so it's like that, that's so cool yeah. Yeah. And and this name will be familiar to all Cubs fans, I think. But Brian Reynolds was in Augusta for like two weeks and then he got shot up to San Jose High A. And now we know he's in Pittsburgh killing it. Yeah. But I was like, oh, that guy, like he's one of the few guys I could say really made it because we had Miguel Gomez who made it to the Giants. And I think he's like in Mexico now, like in a different league. Uh, Logan Webb's on the Giants in the rotation right now. Phil Bickford was on the team. Now he's in Milwaukee. But yeah, Lucius Fox was another big prospect. So it was cool to see like some of these guys obviously make it and regardless of team. But I think it's really cool though that you do know the minor league system so well. And I've been trying to like I I, I want to read up and listen to more podcasts and read stuff. But it's cool just seeing all the stuff that you're cranking out. So that's why I wanted to have you on because I thought it'd be cool to chat with you about. All yeah, this thanks, stuff. thanks. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I know it's one of those things where like I know like the like our podcast Growing Cubs is one of those things where like we we get pretty like into the weeds on some of this stuff because it's it's I mean when you're when you're hosting a, a very specific <laughs> very specific podcast um about minor league players in the Cubs system like we get like pretty deep into like all all the not just like the Braylon Marquez and Brennan Davises of the world like we get into like some of like the like the second baseman for like the low A team. You know, like stuff like that and and it, it's fun to talk to that type of stuff. But then, like, you got, like, where I, I just, um, the, I don't know when this is dropping, but the the, the second uh, half of my uh, prospect list over at Cubs Insider, I, I released the, the top 20 bats um, earlier this week and then uh, waiting on uh, Evan to finish editing that, uh, the top 20 arms. And so both of those should be posted. And it's one of those things where, like, that that's more, I guess, a target of people that aren't quite as familiar with the, like, the Cubs system, right? Like, where you're seeing like the top 20 guys of uh, the top top 40 guys in the system, you know, and, and that's something to kind of familiarize yourself with the system as a whole. Um, <laughs> that's a lot different than digging, <laughs> digging deep into like the podcast that we host. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll kind of let you kind of just talk about some of the top prospects. I know you, I was looking at the list earlier, uh, whether it's guys like Brennan Davis, obviously Ed Howard, guys that you're maybe interested in or curious to see how they might, whether it's develop or just kind of what you're kind of have your eye on right now. Yeah, I, I think that like, so Braylon Marquez is a guy that we all saw in Chicago last year. Like right? he got called up like that lot to make one, one appearance last year, which he wasn't, he, and he didn't look very good, but like, it's one of those things where he had to, had the, the, the jitters, I'm sure. Uh, but really I, to me, it's like one, there's one bat that really catches my eye and one pitcher that really catches my eye. 
the the hitter is is Brennan Davis. Like he's he's good as hell, man. Like he is he is really really good at baseball. And and I know in national publications he's kind of popping up and like you got like the the MLB pipeline top 100 and like the the prospects like you have the different like national publications and they have him like between 50 and 100 kind of in all of baseball and like that that's really good but i i really think this dude is is a lot better than that even i i'm 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 talking like top 20 prospect in all of baseball he he is i i got to, got a chance to watch him in 2019 uh, I tell the story a lot because it's it's just it's it's incredible. But he was o- over in uh, uh, playing for the South Bend Cubs, and he came over and played in Dayton against the Dayton Dragons uh, a few years or in 2019. And so I went over there to come come watch the South Bend Cubs play, and I was on the field pregame during like their batting practice, and I was watching Brendan Davis take batting practice, and it was like nothing I'd ever seen before. Like you know, like when you're watching a player play baseball, and whether it's at whatever level, and the ball just like come like it sounds different coming off a guy's bat like it just sounds different it looks different Brendan Davis had that where like it would just it would come off his bat and it would just explode it was like a different sound I had never heard before and he was just like peppering that right center gap and I was like oh my god like that was the first time I'd seen him live I was like this dude is no joke man so Brendan Davis is kind of my guy as far as hitters and then the pitchers uh Brendan Marquez is, is where a lot of guys go to and I mean, when a guy's coming lefty sidearm throwing 102 miles an hour, like I get, like I get that's pretty that's <laughs> that's pretty damn impressive. Uh, but Cole Franklin is my guy as far as pitchers go. Uh, I had him, I have him ranked uh, number two on my top pitchers in the system list. He's just a guy that he's super advanced for like where like he's super young, right? He's only 20 years old. He was drafted at a high school. He has a, a fastball that's in the mid 90s, and he has a, a the best changeup in the system. And I, I feel like a lot of t- a lot of times with pitchers, like the last thing to develop is like their changeup. Like you talk about a guy is super advanced once they're able to develop that changeup, and like Cole Franklin already has that. He uh, his dad actually didn't let him throw uh, a curveball in high school. That was like his wow. thing, and so his out pitch was the changeup. So like he mastered that kind of in high school, and uh, I, I just think he's like a, a frontline starter moving forward. I mean, he's, I think he's going to be in, in like high A and double A this year, but pretty soon I think he's going to be in Chicago, top of the rotation type stuff. And he's, he's one of the guys that it seems like everybody in the entire system is being taught that spike curveball, And he's another one, one of those guys that's being taught that spike curve, which it seems like that's their, that's their go-to is, is go in the pitch lab, work on a spike curve, and then like just let it all hang out from there. So uh, it's cool to see Cole Franklin. I think he's he's the next big like front line rotation starter for the Cubs. I'm excited to hear that because I feel like we've been waiting for we keep hearing the narrative like we don't have pitchers in the system, and then they do have a few. But it's nice to hear that there's a guy like that who might be like you said a top of the line guy in Chicago. So that's exciting to hear. Yeah, there's there's a lot of guys that like I think that right now in like Double A and even I think there's gonna be a lot of guys in Triple A too that are they kind of profile as like back of the rotation starters. And I think that they're like real close to being ready for Chicago right now. I mean, you got guys like Corey Abbott and we saw Tyson Miller in Chicago last year and uh, Keegan Thompson just got added to the 40 man roster. And um, Jack Patterson's another guy I really like, but those guys are like back of the rotation starters, and, and they're, they're important. And in the Theo Epstein era, we haven't even seen that. Like we haven't even seen back of the rotation starters, right? We've seen, right zero starters <laughs> at <Yeah>. all so <laughs> right. it's, it's good to even have that and then like yeah. down in the system further that's where we have like the cole franklins and 
and Ryan Jensen's and Michael McAveen's where I, I think those guys have potential to be top of the rotation. So it's like, we're going to give you a little bit of these like back end guys to like hold you over for like a couple more years and enjoy Corey Abbott and Tyson Miller right now. Cause you got some more guys following behind. Yeah. Tyson Miller was a guy that I knew was maybe in line potentially to make the rotation. Now I don't necessarily see that maybe starting out the year, but how do you like him or how do you project him even this season, whether it's the minors or whatever the situation? Yeah, I think you're right. I think the, I think the Cubs this off season brought in just a ton of like older guys that are depth and will take up the spots in the rotation. Right? I mean like the, the Trevor Williams and, and even like Shelby Miller and I mean, Jake Arietta for that matter, honestly. And um, I was hoping that I was hoping Corey Abbott would get that number five starting spot in the rotation. Um, I like Tyson Miller too, but I think that at this point, those guys are starting in Iowa, but like, like you and I know, like it's one of those things where this year you're coming off a year where there's now there's 162 games again, as opposed to the 60 last year, these guys are going to have to throw so many more innings. You're going to have injuries. You're going to have guys that can't go like the typical, like 200 or even 180 innings. So like guys are going to have to eat innings. You're going to like, I feel like a lot of times you go into a season, you're like, all right, we need six or seven, like really good starters. This year, it's like you need like almost 10 really good starters. And that that's like that seems like a lot, but I think the Cubs are set up pretty well for that. And Tyson Miller is Tyson Miller is one of those dudes that I think is is going to get some uh, quite a bit of innings in because of of his what he's shown he he's been able to do in the minor leagues. And I think that he was kind of spotty off and on when he uh, made his couple of appearances in Chicago last year, but um he he just dominated in 2019 in Tennessee in Double A. He got called up to Iowa after that, like halfway through the year. And he like, there's no other way around it. Like he was pretty bad in Iowa in AAA. But it's one of those things where he's admitted that he was like trying to miss too many bats. In Iowa, they had like, it, the, the offensive numbers were some of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen in my entire life. In Iowa, in, or in, in AAA in 2019. Because um, they were using the Major League Baseball ball, which is like going out of the park with whenever you make contact. And then you also like Iowa played out West on a lot of like West coast, like um, like the, the Colorado Rockies and Arizona Diamondbacks where like the ball flies out of the stadium anyways. And so it just wasn't good for Tyson. And and he, he admitted that he was, he was trying to miss too many bats like intentionally. Like he, he wasn't trying to pitch to pitch. He was trying to pitch to like miss bats. And it's like, I, I think that he's learned from that. The the two things I, I I guess the thing that I really like about Tyson Miller is he's like qu- super quirky. Um, I, I think Brent, Brennan uh, Brennan Miller uh, wrote something over at Cubs Insider actually about how Tyson Miller releases the ball further to like the third base, like third base than like ninety nine percent of pitchers in Major League Baseball. So like he's releasing the ball super off to the side, even though it doesn't look like super like sidearm, but it's like way out there, and also releasing the ball like closer to home plate, like getting the best extension of like more than like 75% of, of pitchers in uh, baseball. And it's like, those two things are like really quirky. It just gives a different look to hitters. And it's something that he's going to have to ride out and, and embrace that kind of weirdness, you know, embrace the inner, inner strange a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And when you mentioned that about the mechanics, like Brandon's article or what you yeah. were just mentioning, it, I've seen things like that where I'm, I'm looking at these articles and I'm like, wow, how do they even, like, I know you guys are tapped in. You have some, whether it's other things you're looking at but or whoever you might be talking to, but, like, how do you, I, I you don't have to even spoil your secret, but, like, when you're noticing things like mechanics, is it just from casually watching and just kind of, quote-unquote, studying, or are you talking to certain people that mention, hey, like, arm slots different this angle is different 
how do you always kind of notice these things? Yeah, yeah. I think it's a combination. I mean, it's sometimes like I don't, you know, like honestly, like sometimes I just like you don't you miss it, and then like you wait till the guy gets to Chicago, and like he's putting up like like numbers that pop on like uh, baseball savant and things like that. They're like, oh, like I missed that coming up to the minors, but. I think that with Tyson, it was different because like he like visibly like it's it's clear as day that he like releases the ball differently than most guys. So like that was a little more obvious. So I'm I'm not like a professional scout. So like I don't know some like some of these things like I just I can't differentiate between some of the like mechanics and stuff. Um, but also like it's it's one of those things where like I, I watch a, a ton of minor league baseball. So like if I'm I'm I, I've gotten to a point where I can like kind of pick out if a guy looks different than he did previously, because I've just seen so much of them. Um, but another thing is, is just kind of talking with some of these minor league players a little bit. And, and it's been nice with the podcast and with writing and stuff like that, that minor league players are just so much more accessible than major league players. Obviously. I mean, I, if I, if I, That's I can't true. slide into, into Anthony Rizzo's DMS, you know? <laughs> so, uh, but I can right. do that with some exactly. of these minor league guys and, and those guys, they're really cool right, about right. That um, makes sense. kind of sharing their secrets and stuff and, and uh, not sharing their secrets, but just like telling, telling me what I need to be tapped into. And um, right. They can say, Hey, check this out. Like notice I'm doing this. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Like I did notice that I'll like write about that in next week's like weekly roundup. You know what I mean? So um, it, it's just having those guys much more accessible is awesome. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And you're right. I totally get it. Like when I get people on this thing, uh, I'm either lucky that their DMs are open or I'm just adding them on Twitter. Like, hey, will you come on the pod? You know, <laughs> stuff like that. Like like Adam Amin, I reached out through Instagram and we traded yeah. Twitter DMs for months before we finally got something done. So, uh, <laughs> but you know, it's always, it's so, it's always awesome when you can get whoever on i know the feeling completely so that's really cool yeah and and i we've picked up we've learned that like these minor league guys are just i mean they're they're guys like you and me you know like they're they're they just happen to be really damn good at playing baseball you know <laughs> like it's just it's there we we've had i mean we've had a dozen guys on the podcast to interview like we we are more of like an analysis podcast of the minor league system but we've had this off season because we don't have much to talk about we've had a lot of guests on we've had probably a dozen guys on and and I mean, there's been some, some really, really cool guy. I mean, like having Max Bain on has been awesome and, and Jack Patterson and Andy Weber, a few of those guys are like really, really good guests. And I mean, really they've all been good guests because I, I feel like they know, like if they're coming on a podcast, like they know, like they know what they're getting into for the most part. Right. Um, but I, I just, they, they're all really good guys and it goes to show the type of like human beings that the Cubs front office is going after too, you know? Yeah, exactly. So I was curious too, and maybe Tyson falls into this, but in general, what prospects maybe that the Cubs have that you could say realistically could be in Chicago, whether it's because of injuries or any situation, really, hopefully not because they're selling and they just need people on the roster, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that most of those guys are pitchers. I, I think that right now, actually, I Right now, the system is in a, like a super good place where I feel like they've built a super like balanced system where at all levels, like I I describe it as like you look at like the lower minor, like the like the the Myrtle Beach now, like Arizona, and like the lower minors, minors like the teenagers. You're like, uh, like that that's pretty good. Like you're not like blown away, but like that that's pretty solid. And then you're looking at like the middle level, right? And you got like Tennessee and South and South Bend and a little bit of I like uh, mostly Tennessee and South Bend, and you're like. Oh, that that's that's pretty solid 
And then you do the same with like the upper minors. Like you're not blown away by anything, but everything is like pretty decent, you know, except for one place. And that's like the Iowa, like the, the high minors uh, position players. There's not a whole lot of guys that are going to come up and, and take spots um, if, if, if there's injuries and stuff like that in Chicago. I mean, you got like um, Alfonso Rivas is one of the guys we've seen in spring training this year. Um, he was acquired in the Tony, uh, the Tony Kemp trade, which seems like 40 years ago. Um, and uh, he's, he's in, he'll, he'll probably be in AAA this year. So he's probably pretty close. Um, then besides that, you got like PJ Higgins and Trent Giambroni. Those are older, like not as prospecty type guys, you know, but it's the pitchers really. Like I, I, like Corey Abbott is going to get a really decent amount of innings in, in Chicago. I think Tyson Miller is going to get a real decent amount of innings in, in Chicago, Tyson Miller, Keegan Thompson, Corey Abbott, those three guys, significant innings in Chicago. And then I really like Jack Patterson. I think that he is going to uh, make an, make an impact in Chicago this year. Probably he's like a swing man or something like that. Um, and then, you know, Braylon Marquez, right? I think that he, my prediction on him is that I think that he'll start in Tennessee as a starter and we won't see Braylon Marquez in Chicago until he's like a reliever late season, I think is how they're going to kind of operate with him. But uh, I mean, even still like Edward Alzali is still a prospect technically. So um, I think he'll get a lot of innings. So there, there's a lot of pitchers that are right there. And I think going to make a pretty significant impact in terms of the amount of innings pitched in Chicago, which is kind of, kind of fun because we haven't seen that. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I was curious too, in your mind, if Craig Kimbrell, whatever, he's the closer for this season <laughs> and whatever, hopefully he can have the success that we kind of saw at the end of last yeah, year. But yeah. anyways, do you see a guy in the minors that, could be the next closer or is it kind of more of the situation where in the minors are developing starters or certain relievers, maybe not specifically a closer, but a guy that might be able to hold that role down potentially. Yeah, dude, I'm so glad you asked that question. I it's so for years, right? For years, we talked about how this front office just drafted guys and they were like the like high floor guys, right? Like they're, they're, all guys that like they're not you're not gonna bust on them, but like they're they're throwing 91 miles an hour and like okay, like they're not blowing you away. The past few years, like this team has gotten fun as hell in like getting guys that throw gas, right? So um you talk about the starters, there are a few guys that are starters right now in Michael McAveen um and Ryan Jensen. That those guys are starters right now. But if starting doesn't work out because of uh, durability or because of um, their their entire repertoire not working or whatever they have both those guys have a fastball that reaches triple digits and have a wipeout slider and those two if you can just have those two good pitches that's a good reliever you know um, and so you have the guys like that and then um, there are guys that are already like being developed as relievers so you got uh, Manny Rodriguez is uh, a guy that's added to the 40-man roster a couple of years ago and Manny Rodriguez, I don't know if you've seen any pictures on social media of Manny Rodriguez. That dude is jacked. Like he is, he has just been spending the last like year just like weightlifting like crazy. And his like biceps are the size of my thighs. And like that dude is is loaded. Wow. Um, and he's another guy that's throwing like he's got a, a, a fastball that touches triple digits. He's got a really good curveball. Um, and then you got Burl Caraway was drafted last year, right? Burl Caraway is another guy that touching triple digits with a fastball, got a really good curveball. Um, Hunter Biggie is another guy that triple digits fastball, really good slider. Like there, there's guys in the system now that I don't know. I don't know if I could say yeah, like they're the closer of the future because like with relievers, it's kind of weird 
in how they're developed. Sometimes they just they're they're relievers, right. and hey, they have a really good couple seasons. Like now, you're the closer now. You know, um, yeah. I think exactly. Burl Caraway is probably the guy because he was a, a, a second round draft pick and um, throwing hundred mile an hour gas with the best curveball in the draft last year. But so I, I'd say he's probably the guy. But I, there's a lot of guys that just have really really good stuff and. I'm just excited to talk about that kind of stuff because, I mean, even like three years ago, we weren't talking about any of these dudes at all. Right. Yeah, that makes me excited too because I'm already excited for baseball season anyway, even though I know the Cubs might be like an 85-win team, give or take, and still kind of in the race for the Central at least. But I'm just excited to hear, first of all, I'm just glad baseball's back. Second of all, you know, it's it's fun and exciting to hear about players that are exciting and, like you said, throwing gas or potential talent coming up for the rotation so it makes me think like there's definitely hope on the horizon it doesn't have to be like this somber and honestly until uh i would say until about the time jock and arietta signed with the cubs i felt like the vibe around the team was so somber and funeral like but yeah. ever since those those guys like i feel i feel you know motivated or uh excited and there's like motivation in the air again or something yeah i feel you on that for sure i it's I think when the Darvish trade went through, everyone mm-hmm. was kind of like, oh, crap. Like, this yeah. this isn't good. And they kind of held that, and, like, myself included, just kind of held that, like, thought like thought that, like, not that uh, some people went to, like, oh, this is, like, a full rebuild. It's like, all right, hold, like, hold on. Maybe not a full rebuild, mm-hmm. rebuild yeah. yet. Like, I'm not happy, but it's not a full rebuild yet, you know? And then kind of held that where it was at. And then, yeah, the, the Jock signing, the, the Jake signing, uh, stuff like that made me feel a little bit, a little bit better, you know. And I, I think you're right. Like, wh- even when like the Darvish trade happened, what I've been saying is that like trading Darvish, even before adding Jock and Jake, right? Trading J- Darvish, like we weren't gonna win the World Series with you, Darvish. And I don't think that we're gonna. I don't think that like winning the division is out of the question without Darvish. You know what I mean? I think that like this, this division. And exactly. well, this team and this division is just, you look at it, you're like, this nothing to write home about at all across the division, except for the fact that the Pirates suck. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I, uh, I was open to the idea of trading Darvish for the right return. And then, of course, the return felt underwhelming. But you're right. They're not a World Series team with Darvish, most likely, but they can win the division without Darvish. And you just hope, you know, the rotation is pieced together well enough i like i like what it is i think it's interesting i think the team is interesting with arietta and hendrix being the ace and zach davies we'll see what he can do i want to see if the yeah. lineup finally figures out how to hit again <laughs> i know that's that that's what it's always been about is like knowing these dudes are like the core right the core which is now yeah. schwerberless right but you got like rizzo yep. and 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 bryant and baez and Contreras and I mean, those guys, and I mean, you can throw half into that, but like, it's all, it's all about making like, can they do what like we know they can do? And we've been like waiting, like the past like four years, we've been saying like, oh, we're just waiting on a bounce back year from those guys bounce back year. And it's like, they just haven't really put yeah. it on. It's like super frustrating. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, uh, I, I have, I'm not like, I don't have high expectations, but I, I'm hopeful that they can still win the division. And then once you get into the playoffs, like you and I know, like it's, once they get in the right. playoffs, it's like what? Anything goes yep. once it, once you get to the playoffs. Now, I was curious, too, about Miguel Amaya. So I've heard of that name quite a bit. 
Uh, Wilson Contreras, obviously, he might be one of the best catchers in baseball, obviously. What do you think Contreras is a guy that could still get traded even this season? Is Amaya like the next future guy, or do you think Amaya might be the guy that gets dealt? I mean, that's that's yeah. who knows what could happen. I, but I what don't do you know, think man. Happen? I, it's tough because I think if the team, if the major league team sucks this year, and yeah. I think that Contreras is for sure on the block you would like on the trade right. block Returns because big haul he's yeah. so he's so valuable and especially like this year right where he's not he still has next year under under team control so you think that like if the team sucks this year like i don't see how how they couldn't just go on a fire sale and get like in trade Contreras and and brian and buy like all of them like why would you not if you're not competing like why why not yeah. you know and so i think Contreras is one of those guys where it's just it's super tricky. And with Miguel Amaya behind him, I've said it before that like Miguel Amaya is still only 21 years old. Like he's, he's still young as hell. So young. And yeah. I think that he, he's come up to the system so well that he can do a whole lot worse than being, than spending a little bit of extra time in AAA with some like old, like MLB vets, like having a 21 year old, 22 year old catch like old major league players in AAA, he can like gain so much experience from that. So it's just like, in my mind, it's like no need to rush him at all. It's not like he's a 25-year-old prospect. You're like, well, it's about time. We got to get him up there. Like, we got time to, like, take our time and not make this decision so quickly. I think that, like, if – I wouldn't be surprised if Contreras is dealt because he's so valuable. You got Miguel Amaya coming up. I think that he can be a starter in Chicago. And then even below that, you have, like, guys at the lower – like, way lower levels of the minors that are super young and super talented, too. So you have a, another wave coming up behind that. So I, I think that we'll see. We'll see where where what they do with Wilson Contreras. But I, I think that the days of Miguel Amaya being the starting catcher for the Cubs is not this year for sure. I think that he'll spend this year in the minors. Um, I think that next year he could be one of those guys where he's getting almost full at bats, if, even if Wilson Contreras is still on the team, right? Like Because I, I assume next year there's going to be a DH. I don't know. I guess there may not be, but assuming there's a DH in the National League next year, I think you can get Miguel Amaya and Wilson Contreras a full season's worth of at-bats by playing catcher, DH, and then, like, throwing Willie out at, like, first base or, like, the outfield or something like that, you know? So, um, I don't know. It's just... I, Miguel Amaya is, like, a helium guy. He picked up a lot. I, I think Cubs, Cubs fans everywhere kind of took notice of him this past year because he was at the alternate site in South Bend. There were a lot of pictures of him looking jacked and i feel like like fans were just like oh like like this is the dude well plus all the trade yeah. speculation too they're like all right miguel amaya right let's, let's do this right, right now you know what i mean and he, he's good man he's good but like i don't want to rush him because there's no need to at right this point, you know what i mean so on that on the other hand i totally get that that makes perfect sense even though they don't need to rush him do you think if like the opportunity was there. Like, let's just say, if he was all in the major yeah. league roster, do you think he'd be ready, or is he still so young and raw? I, I don't think he's so young and raw, but like, I don't know. Like, I that's a tough question. I, so, like, say, say in, this, in like a hypothetical scenario, like Wilson Contreras dealt mm-hmm. today, like tonight, right? And then I, I, I don't like Miguel Amaya is not your starting catcher in Chicago, like opening day. I, I don't think that's the case. I think then you rock like. Well, if, if Wilson Contreras is dealt tonight, I think you have other problems. Yeah. I think your, your problem yeah, is, is that right. your team isn't very good. Um, but I, yeah, I just don't think like he's ready quite yet. I mean, he, he hasn't played above high A. So 
Um, and really, like that jump to double A is where you see guys kind of separate themselves from the pack. I know that he's yeah he got some experience in in, in the alternate site. That's awesome. Like that's that's super important. But he he's got to get some innings in in Tennessee or Iowa before he's he's ready. And that's not a, that's not even like a slight on on his abilities. I don't think it's just it's just he's young and getting Reality. some more experience is important. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense, especially last season, not even having the minor league season. You know, it, it can't hurt to have, like you said, he's 21, have, get some extra seasoning in. I wanted to ask you about Ed Howard also, 19 years old. You have him third on your list. You have him at Myrtle Beach. So what do you think about Howard? Uh, I know, he, like again, he's 19, so we're not necessarily saying he'll be on the major league roster in the next few years, but what do you think his outlook looks like? It, it's So it's it's tough because with guys like Howard and – um, Christian Hernandez, like some of these guys are like super young that I haven't, I typically in past, in past years, I've, I've been very hesitant to rank guys that I haven't seen either live in person or like at least on like MILB TV on video. Right. Um, because like, yeah, you get like the scout, like the scouting videos on YouTube and stuff like that, but, um, it's tough, but dude, Ed Howard is, he's, I'm excited. Well, it's just like the fact that he's like the Chicago kid. That's that's one thing that excites me, right? You also got the fact that he is just like his nickname is Silk. Mm. Like if that gives you any indication on how good he is on defense at shortstop, right, right? Yeah. Um. So that that's fun. Um. And then I was listening. I think I was listening to um the Compound, which is Ian Happ's podcast, and he was talking about how he did some event with an event up in Chicago this off season, and uh, he was there. It was him and Jason Hayward and Nico. And then Ed Howard was there too. Because Ed Howard was in Chicago, obviously working out this year. And Ian Happ said that like Ed Howard made him like feel small because <laughs> Ed Howard is just like put on a lot of muscle and stuff like that. And it's like that's all, coming from a guy who the last time we saw him in game action, he was a junior in high school. Which like like when I when I was a junior in high school, I was like a buck like thirty soaking wet, right? Like I, I, was, I was tiny. And so like to see a guy like that put in work over the offseason and and go from his junior year of high school to um, now where he's a 19-year-old um, professional baseball player going to be playing in low A in Myrtle Beach probably, uh, that that means a lot that he's put in the work to, to smoothen out his swing and put on the muscle and become a professional baseball player. So I, I think that just all, everything I've heard is his work ethic is just through the roof. Um, he's smooth as hell out there on defense and um, the swing is he's super athletic and that's that's the kind of the the way the Cubs front office has been going with some draft prospects recently is like super athletic which is again not something we saw like three years ago so anytime you can get some freak athletes with some like quick twitch uh, motions in there it's always a good a good sign going back to the pitching side I know that they were trying to really emphasize the pitching like the I'm trying to remember the word they use the specific like the lab the pitching lab, exactly. I wanted to say factory, the lab, <laughs> all the mad scientists factory. at work. I so, actually like the factory. I think that's yeah, good. Yeah, <laughs> pitching factory. So, uh, yeah, so I guess, I mean, it's all, I think it's all relatively new within the last, what, year or so that they've been kind of making these yeah, hires. Years, yeah. But ha- would, I guess it might be, it might be hard to say because we didn't have the full season last year in the minor leagues, but would you say you've already started to see maybe like a positive impact based on that or still kind of too early to say? I'll say yes and no. Like it's, it's um, yes, it is too early to say because like we haven't seen it deployed right. in games, but everything that I've heard, like 
is just awesome stuff more than just like, Oh, they're working in the pitch lab. Like that's one thing to say, like, Oh, they're working in the pitch lab. But like from guys I've heard, it's just like, I think that the Cubs, the guys they've hired, like the coaches they've hired to work with these guys, not only do a really good job, like they're not just like in the, in the lab making all these pitchers like super nerds where they're like, Oh, look at your spin rate. Look at your, like your seam shifted wake. Like look at all these like nerdy things. And which is good because like some guys, like we've talked to like Max Bain, loves that stuff like he is about learning like how to make pitches like pitch design how to make those pitches work and that's awesome for guys like that but the coaches are also really good at guys that don't want to know that information both pitching and hitting too this this pertains to hitting too that they coach them in a way that like the coaches know that data they know the biomechanics behind the pitching and the hitting and they can explain that to guys that don't care about like the data behind it right like uh, if if a guy like Cole Roeder goes into the, the hitting lab and he says listen Justin Stone I don't want to know any of the details behind like how my core is moving at what rotation at what degrees like he doesn't want to know that stuff but tell me what I need to need to know and then Justin Stone can say all right let's take a video of you analyze this I will analyze it as Justin Stone and then I will explain this to you, Cole Roederer, in a in baseball terms so that you can understand. That's and cool. like that, that to me is just even more important than like yeah, right. here's all like here's all the data. Enjoy all of it. You know what I mean? So that's just super important because like the, these guys, these guys, like some guys, like I said, some guys love it, but some guys just want to talk baseball. Mm-hmm. And I don't like that's not wrong either. Like just talking baseball and like talking, uh, like simplifying it. That's not a wrong. That's not the wrong way to look at it. And it's just nice that the coaches are, are allowing them to do that. Justin Stone um, and then Craig Breslow on the pitching side and, and Casey Jacobson and guys like that. They've just been, as far as I can tell, just really, really good at, at personalizing these workouts and these training regimens for these players. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool to hear too. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm excited to see how, how all these players continue to develop and refine, but that's really cool to hear. And like how you were explaining that was really cool too. Cause yeah, you know, I hear like pitching lab, they hired so-and-so I'm like, okay, that's cool. But to hear that, I kind of related to like my, like dumb analogy, but like relating it to like my job, what I do well and thinking about how I explain something to a, you know, to like a potential seller or something like that. And it's like, okay, I know how to, I know how to make it work so that they get what I'm saying and they don't have to know all the the details behind it. Yeah, exactly. Like you just need to give them the information that they need to know to to make it work, right? Like I, yep. I'm I'm not gonna when I'm talking to my coworkers, I'm I talk a different way than when I talk to uh, a client that I'm working exactly. With. And it's the same information, just presented in different ways for people to, to digest it in different ways. So and and I, it seems I don't I don't know about you, but like that that concept seems like actually pretty simple to me. Right. And it's weird that it took that long for someone to like decide yeah. this is how it should be done in baseball. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think it seems like a pretty simple concept. <laughs> exactly. I know it seems so easy. And yet when I was a kid and I was in Columbus back in the day, so I would go to a lot of Clippers games. And now maybe this is just me being a kid. And maybe it's also a combination of baseball just kind of growing and expanding. But if I've, I always used to think of AAA, and I think I thought this until about 2013 when I had my internship. I used to think of AAA as like the end-all, be-all of the minor leagues. And, you know, once you got to AAA, you're just about there. And then I started realizing guys from AA are making the jump. And maybe even guys in single-A get up there. Yeah. Uh, so I realized, like, now not yeah. everybody's Bryce Harper. Not everybody's making that jump. But 
when I see double A, I'm thinking, okay, this guy could be a year away now, you know, even this year, next year, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's so far down the line. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. Like, I think that that's how I used to look at it too. And I think that the way that triple A, I look at triple A now is that there's just a whole lot, like triple A is weird, man. Like you have, you have guys that are top prospects. Um, you have guys that are like the quad A guys, like the guys that get shuffled back back and forth between the majors and the minors. You have um, like older major league veterans trying to make a comeback. Right. Yep. You got like you just have such a just random group of guys at AAA, and so that that makes it kind of cool. And then, but AA is kind of the level that like the best talent is collected at AA because right. like you're like you said like you're it's not very likely at all for you to like unless you're in a weird um covid shortened year you're not going to see a guy jump from single a up to the majors like hardly ever unless you're like Juan Soto or like Bryce Harper like that doesn't really happen so that's where that's where like that collection in double a becomes like those are the top prospects in baseball you know what i mean so yeah i i uh i i went i went to a lot of games over at Huntington Park uh, this past year and it's just like Going to minor league games is just so fun, man. Like yeah. it's just seeing like the way that the players interact with the fans and like like Huntington Park over here is it feels so much like a major league stadium, just like condensed, just like shrunk down a little bit. So it's not like forty thousand people, it's whatever the hell it holds, like twelve thousand, whatever yeah. it is. But yeah, it's just like like that 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 park and that's the way it is around all of minor league stadiums. I but I think that Huntington Park here in Columbus does the the best job of making it feel like the major leagues, but it's like not that size. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. Speaking of uh, Columbus, um, I've had Bleacher Nation Brett on the Brett Taylor on the pod. Have you hung out with him in Columbus? No, I haven't. So I, I when I moved over, I moved over here a few years ago, a couple of years ago, I guess, a few years ago, and I was just kind of getting settled over here, and I had actually forgot. I, I knew at one point that he was that he did live here in Columbus. And I, I had forgotten that until I kind of moved over here and, and all that good stuff. And, and then now COVID this past year has hit. So I haven't been, no, I, I haven't had a chance to catch up with him yet, but I told him that I was like, I was like this year, hopefully uh, uh, vaccines all, all taken care of and everything good. Hopefully catch up with a game, uh, catch up with him at a game at, at Huntington park or something. Greg, it was, it was awesome having you on again, all the knowledge. Yeah. Appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on. I, I, I love it. Anytime you, you need me to come on and, and interested in talking Cubs prospects, I'm, I'm always here. I'm your guy. <laughs> exactly. That's awesome. Hey, I will take that. I will definitely have you back on. We can chat more about the minor leagues, major leagues, whatever. So Yeah, absolutely. All right, man. I appreciate it, Will. You, uh, you take care. All right, man. All right. Sounds good.